want a bit of the quiet life. I want a bit of shelf indulgence. If there is reading, give me all of it. Join the show on the Microbrew Radio. Listen to Jim, Wendy, and Emily. Join in the conversation. I want to hear it. I want to read it. I want a bit of self-indulgence. I want to hear it. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Self-Indulgence. Your weekly dose of everything bookish from Microbrew Radio. As promised last week, we are here this week to recommend what to read this summer. Because there's nothing better than reading a holiday. Would you agree, Wendy? Oh, absolutely. You need, you've got time, you're not being hassled, particularly when you're on holiday, maybe on a beach somewhere. You've got nothing else to do but lose yourself in a book. I can't think of anything nicer. And we are this week joined by one of our wonderful local authors, Kim Nash. Hi, Kim, how are you? Hi there, I'm good, thank you. How are you both? Lovely, good. thanks. Good, thank you. Good, good. Um, right, so Kim was going to talk to us about what she's been reading and what she's looking forward to read, and also about what she's written, which is always exciting. Um, so before we get on to that, what I'd just like to point out for me is that I think reading on holidays is a real pleasure. Now, I might be weird here, but actually one of my favourite things about reading on holiday is whilst travelling. I am not a fan of airports, departure lounges, train journeys, anything like that, where there's a vast quantity of the public around me. I'm not a fan. So to lose myself between the pages of a book whilst all that's going on is, you know, that's, that's the best way of travelling as far as I'm concerned. So where, where do you love to read most in Hollywood? Is it, is it on the beach? Is it in a cafe or a bar or yeah i can read anywhere really um uh, because i think if you're a, if you're an avid reader you um, have the uh, superpower of being able to just um disconnect from your surroundings i mean i can be i can feel completely on my own on a crowded beach in a crowded bar um i can lose myself like that and um so it doesn't really matter to me what's important to me is that i have the time without any external pressures to just really get involved in a plot mm. and what about you kim where, where do you enjoy the most when all day? um <clears throat> i like i love the sea there is nothing that makes me happier than sitting in the sitting with the view of the sea um, and reading. If that's on a sunbed, that's even better still. And I'm a bit of a lazy, I, have, I have to say, <clears throat> I am a bit of a lazy cow on holiday, so I'd be quite happy. Knowing some people go off and do lots of exploring holidays, that is not a holiday for me. My holiday is getting my ass on a sunbed and just relaxing. And if that means I could get to read a book a day, that would be my perfect holiday. Um, so yeah, that's you know that that's kind of it for me. I like I quite like reading on a plane. Um, I'm quite rude. I'm, I've been told I'm quite rude on holiday because a friend of mine once said that I was she was talking to me while I was reading and I was really quite rude and just shouted at her because <laughs> I was like, "Will you stop talking to me when I'm reading, please?" Um, well, at least you said please, Kim. I did, but I didn't. I think I may have thrown in an extra word as well. But I haven't, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't, Fair enough. 
Excellent. Right. So um, let's start off, Kim, by talking about what you've recently written. Okay. So my latest book is called Hopeful Hearts at the Cornish Cove. Um, it's the first in a uh, three book series at the moment. Um, and if, I think it's probably easier, actually, if I just read you the back of it. Um, but it says a perfect new start in Cornwall. Meredith's life is at a standstill. She's stuck in a dead end job, approaching 50, and her dating life is a string of disasters. One evening while browsing the internet, she sees an ad for a lighthouse, and in a moment of impulsiveness, she makes a ridiculous bid for it. They didn't put on the back of the cover, actually, that she was had a glass of wine too many and kind of made a bid for it. <laughs> um, with the help of local handyman Clem, she sets, off, she sets about renovating, and as they work together, a bond begins to form. But when Meredith finds out that Clem is keeping a secret from her, it changes everything. Will they find a way to build something more meaningful together? And they've said, my publishers have said, just to make sure that this is not me saying this, it's a delightful story about community, friendship, and having the courage to start over. Perfect for fans of Carol Matthews, Millie Johnson, and Lucy Dillon. So it's set in um, a fictional town of, a fictional seaside town of um, Driftwood Cove in, um, I think it's actually Driftwood Bay, sorry, I lie. It's Driftwood Bay in Cornwall. Um, beautiful half harbour, half beach place. Um, and when Meredith arrives, she realises that the lighthouse that she thought she could move straight into isn't actually what the estate agent promised. So she can't move into it. She has to go and stay um, somewhere else because it's totally inhabitable and she needs to refurb it. Um, she's kind of at the stage where she thinks, you know, well, she's either going to go for it or not. Um, and she sets about um, renovating it with the lovely local handyman, who's obviously handsome and beautiful. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's a really lovely story. And it is about the community. It's about her kind of restarting a life somewhere new, making friends that not everybody's liking her, um, just generally kind of starting again, really. So it's another story of sort of second chances. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed writing it. As I say, it's the first in a series. The second one is coming out in September this year, and the third one is coming out in spring next year. So each story is going to be about a different person from the community, but they're all linked. But you won't need to read them particularly in the series order. Mm. because you can pick them up at any time so yeah that's hopeful hearts at the Cornish Cove the thing I like about your books Kim is that um they're not if somebody comes to your book thinking they're gonna read a sort of fairly standard rom-com then they're they're really uh, you're going to give them much more than that because what I think about your books is first of all there's a real feel-good factor in them um, but the other thing about them is they are about community. They're not just about a single relationship. You know, boy finds girl, girl disappears, boy gets his heart broken and they get back together. It's not it's not that formulaic. Um, and I think that's uh, I think that's why they've got a, a sort of they've definitely got a wider appeal than just a straightforward summer romance novel, haven't they? Oh, well, that's really nice of you to say so. Mm -hmm. I I kind of see my novels as, you know, I've got a, a main character who goes on a journey. 
um, <clears throat> and with certain people that she surrounds herself with. And I think most of my novels are like that, to be honest. Mm. She kind of, it's almost like she might need rescuing to start with, but she actually rescues herself rather than somebody else comes along and rescues her. Mm. Um, but, you know, there's always somebody nice in the background that is kind of a bonus to her rescuing herself. So it's about friendship. It's about, you know, kind of supporting each other. Um, and friends that do that more than anything else. And then obviously if you get the lovely man that comes along and adds to that and, you know, and kind of, I suppose you don't need him, but he's nice to have. Um, that's kind of the way that I write my books. I think I'd add to that, that for anyone out there who's thinking, oh, this kind of book, it's sloppy, it's romance, it's not for me. I... I'm of your ilk. I am not a romance reader. I don't enjoy sloppy romance, slushy novels. Mills and Boone is probably my worst idea of a nightmare when it comes to fiction. But when I read King's book, um, we read for the show last time, which was Second Chances, wasn't it, Kim? Yes, Sunshine and Second Chances. Yes, yeah, Sunshine and Second Chances. That one, we, I, I picked it up going, I'm going to hate this. It's going to be rubbish. And I really loved it. I really enjoyed yeah. it. And I think if you're out there going, oh, it's not my kind of thing, I'd, I'd give it a chance. Yeah, I'd definitely. Chance I'd agree with that. These books, as Wendy says, have more depth to them than just a mm. romance story. Yeah. It, I think it, as well, my characters are going through things that us, you know, women of my age go through. So, you know, they're, they're facing... <laughs> the reality of life really so then you know it's not all candy floss and pink flowers and you know perfect life they're really, yeah. really not it's about reality and what what we're all going through every single day and how you know you can overcome those things with the help and support of the people around you so um yeah I know a lot of people have said you know my characters are very relatable I always try and do characters that people like um obviously that sounds really obvious but you don't have to have likable characters in every book um but I like the fact that I kind of have people messaging me going oh my god I loved that character and I absolutely adored this character yeah. and I wanted this character in my life um and I think I aim to write books that put a smile on people's faces yeah. maybe give them a bit of a you know warm heart at the end of it and a you know just a really uplifting feeling I definitely think you achieve that Definitely. Thank you so much. That means the world, Wendy, honestly, because, you know, you can sit here and write books, but until you get that feedback back from people, um, you know, you never really know if you're hitting the right mark, to be honest. No, so it's really lovely. Really lovely to hear that. Thank you. Superb. Well, so there we have it, folks. Um, Kim's latest book. Where can we find it, Kim? Are we Amazon or all good booksellers? Yeah, absolutely both. You can have, um, you know, you can buy it from Amazon. It's um, it's actually um, right this very moment, but I'm not sure how long for. It's 99p on ebook. So if you've not read one of my books before, it might be a good time to kind of try one. Um, but you can also buy the paperback on Amazon or in bookstores. Um, it's on Kobo. It's on all sorts of platforms. It's on Google Play. It's on Apple Books. It's in audiobook. So. There's no excuse, folks. Go out and get it. <laughs> Superb. And what a bargain price as well. Oh. Um, now, yeah. what have you been reading then, Kim? What's, what's been lately tickling your fancies? 
there's some lovely stuff just lately to be honest i've read some of the ones that spring to mind are i don't know if you know an author called kerry fisher she's one of our bookature authors fabulous fabulous author she's sold millions of books um and she's launching two books they're coming out at the end of july and they're called the rome apartment and secrets of the rome apartment and then next year there's going to be a third one in the series and i've absolutely loved it because i've never been to rome but through reading these books i feel like i have been to rome and more than that i'm actually desperate to go to rome oh, um oh my god honestly they're absolutely brilliant um, and it's kind of about a lady who's got an apartment block in Rome. She's got a couple of spare apartments. Her daughter wants to go out and stay with her. She hasn't got the best um, relationship with the daughter at all. So she decides that she's going to rent the apartment out because it gives a good, a good excuse for her daughter not being able to come out. And then at the same time, you've got a lady who is going to university. I'm sorry, her, she's taking her daughter to university and when they're driving back her and her husband are driving back her husband drops a massive bombshell on her um and um i don't really want to tell you any more than that but Indeed. she ends up going out to rome and renting this apartment um and that's kind of book one and then book two is a different character that rents out the apartment and they are both absolutely gorgeous books The you know you can kind of see Rome you can touch Rome you can mm. smell Rome all those evocative you know it, it's such an evocative book well both books are so brilliant um I've absolutely loved reading those they really are cracking um I've also read a book called A Month in Provence which is out now by Gillian Harvey which is lovely about a lady who goes and plans a wedding out in Provence um and the kind of trials and tribulations that she goes through because she gets there and the person who owns the house didn't know that it was all happening and there's lots of sort of um, conflict over there. And again, it's another book that you feel like you just want to pack your life up and go and live in France. Perhaps it's just me. Perhaps I need a change in, in my yeah, life yeah. and I need to abroad somewhere. You've definitely got nomad sandals on, haven't you? Yeah, there's, a part, there's definitely a pattern here, isn't there? Um, it's funny because we read, uh, we reviewed a book last week called The Angels of Venice, um, oh. and that was very, um, that was very similar. N not in terms of genre; it was a different genre, but it was, um, it was somebody who lives in uh, in Venice, who has an absolute passion for it, who has a love of the city, and and who has based his book on it. And we were saying exactly that that you could almost you could smell it. It was oh. so. Um, well written in terms of you know the the environment and and Jim was saying that it almost felt like Venice was a, an additional character it had got so mm -hmm. much life to it it was really good so I'm wondering if that's a pattern that's starting um, to appear in in um, contemporary literature at the moment where people are paying much more attention to um, to the environment and and the atmosphere that that creates when they're writing. I think it probably started in lockdown, maybe, because, you know, I know where I wrote Sunshine and Second Chances in lockdown, and people said to me, you know, it was amazing to be able to read a book and feel that you've been on holiday to Portugal. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, I think books in that time took us to the places that we couldn't actually go to. And I think maybe, you know, books have probably always done that, but perhaps we're just noticing it more. Yeah, could be, could be. Mm.
Um, but no, thoroughly enjoyed reading those. Um, I've also read some lovely books by Tilly Tennant called The Lifeboat Sisters. And I think the other one was Secrets of the Lifeboat Sisters, um, which is set in a village called Port Promise. And it's all focused around the local RN, RNLI. I always find that really difficult to say. R RNLI. Um, so there's lots about sort of lifeboats and the family and again, the community. And that's set down in Cornwall as well. Um, those two books are out, I think they're out on the 14th of this month. And again, they're absolutely gorgeous. Um, and they kind of pick you up and put you there. Um, and then the book that I'm reading right this very moment. Well, I've also just read a book called Much Ado About You, um, which is about a bookstore, about a lady who's um, having a bit of a rubbish time. She lives in Chicago and she sees an advert for running a bookstore for a month in Northumberland and she decides to go and do that um, and I thought well I'll give that a whirl so I've read that and that's lovely and that just makes me want to go and obviously run a bookstore um, <laughs> which is just lovely and I'm really lucky because where I live in Hensford they've just opened a bookstore in my high street um, obviously I feel like this is my bookstore and I just keep going in and talking to Nancy the manager and we've had events on and we're organizing lots of events so it's kind of like she owns it on paper, but I just own it anyway. Um, I'm sure she probably closes the door when she sees me walking down the street. Um, but the whole bookshop thing, I think, is something, again, that really appeals to everybody, especially if you're, if you're a reader, you love books, don't you? Um, and then I've gone quite, um, quite different in a book that I've wanted to read for a long time, but I haven't quite got round to it. And I am reading The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo by Taylor Jenkins Reid. Yeah. Um, which has been recommended to me by lots of people. Um, and it's one that I've wanted to read for quite a while. Um, strangely, I've actually bought the Kindle version. And I was being really tight by not buying the Kindle version because it was £5.99. Mm. Um, and the paperback was less. But when I picked the paperback up, the writing was really small. And the older I get, the less I'm struggling with kind of small mm. writing. Mm. I thought I can't go to bed at night and read this because I've never seen the words. And then I had a word with myself and kind of went, Kim, it's £5.99. You used to go out and buy tons of books every single month that would have cost you a tenner each. And you'd have bought, you know, you'd have spent loads on them. Mm. Why are you moaning about £5.99 on a book that you really, really want to read? And I started reading that at the weekend because I've just been on a writing retreat for the weekend. And I started writing that and it's absolutely brilliant and I'm loving it. Oh, great. Yeah, we've yeah. talked about that, I think, before, but it's one that we haven't got round to, no, uh, to reviewing it's yet. It's in my big pile. It's in my big pile. It's yeah. really not worth bringing to the top of your pile, honestly. It's really, really interesting. Oh, good. Well, next time we have a planning meeting, I'll try to persuade when we move it up the list. Yeah, I recommend That's you do. Time. To be really honest, the reason I moved it up... Sorry, I was going to say, the, the reason I moved it up my list is because my lovely local bookshop that I've just talked about, my bookshop, um, has, um, they're doing a book club on it tomorrow night, so I thought I'd better pull my finger out and actually read it. Mm. Oh, superb. Um, right, what about you, Wendy? What's been tickling uh, your fancies for coming up this summer? Oh, well, I've, I've had a, a, a real sort of, I, I set myself a target of, of looking for some different stuff that I wouldn't normally read. Um, but you know what it's like when you've got a favourite genre? You keep getting dragged back, don't you, to the stuff well, you, that you love? You mm -hmm. so, um, so the first one that I'm going to recommend is a book called The Three Dahlias by Katie Watson. 
And this is a classic country house weekend murder mystery. So it doesn't what, get what attracted you. No, can't think what attracted me. Um, but I've, I, I've read a similar uh, a book to this in terms of plot. Um, but this one, it's essentially, it's three rival actresses team up together to solve a murder at the stately home of um, an old author called Letty Stavenport, who created a sort of Miss Marple sort of character called Dahlia Lively. And these actresses have played her, this, this character, um, and they all have very, very different ways of playing her. But when they come together um, and this murder occurs, they have to work together to solve the murder. And so um, it's it, it, it really appealed. It ticked all of my boxes. And I thought it was, uh, it was a thumping good read. So I thought I'm definitely going to recommend that. Um, and I know it's, um, of course, it's a murder mystery. So um, why wouldn't I read it? Um, but I do think it's got a lot of merit and I think it's well written. And, um, and yeah, so I thought I'd recommend that. Well, I was, I was trawling to find a range of things. And I came across a book called Uncle Paul. Oh, I've not come across that at all, it's Jim. It's been re-released this summer. It was originally published in uh, 1959. It's uh, by an author called Celia Fremming. And the strap line of the book is, Welcome to the Nightmare Summer Holiday. <laughs> and Uncle Paul is this character who's just got out of prison for murdering his first wife. And it is a seaside set psychological thriller that goes through various phases, but it's it's it sounds... Well, let me read it a little bit. It says... Um, Another face, cool and smiling, framed against another rose arch. Fifteen years ago, cool in spite of the summer heat. Smiling for the last time before the fearful discovery was made. The holidays have begun. In the seaside caravan resort, Isabel and her sister Meg build sandcastles with the children, navigate deck chair politics, explore the pier's delights, gorge ice cream in the sun. But their half-sister Mildred has returned to a nearby coastal cottage where her husband, the mysterious Uncle Paul, was arrested for his first wife's attempted murder. The family skeletons emerge. Now, on his release from prison, is he returning for revenge, seeking who betrayed him, or are all three women letting their nerves get the better of them? Though, who really is Meg's lover? And whose are those footsteps? <laughs> <laughs> you love a good thriller, don't you? Oh, doesn't it sound fantastic? It does. I'm just looking at it on Amazon as well. It looks brilliant. I think to find something that is from a yesteryear that's been re-released and republished and revitalised in this way is fantastic. 
Yeah, there were so many. I mean, not that I'm you know, diminishing the work of current authors like this because you, you know, fantastic jobs, and mm -hmm. jobs. But at the same time, there are so many golden gems that disappear. Mm. And to have something like this, you know, um, just it just sounds fantastic. And I know a certain granny who will definitely want to read that. Oh, I bet. I bet. Yeah. I do yeah. think as well when you when you're away on holiday. I mean, we we holiday a lot in Scotland, and so we'll we'll hire a house in the middle of the Highlands um, with nothing for miles, and um, and these places have always got a library that that people have you know started to read books and then left them behind and stuff. Um, and it's no coincidence that in all of those libraries, you'll always get things like there's an Agatha Christie, there's a Lee Childs, there's a you know that there's the sort of the standard thrillers and and those sort of things because it's what people like to read they love that escapism don't they mm. and um and i've read some really stonking um books from from yesteryear um from places like that where people have read them and left them and then i've picked them up and i think one of my favorites and i have mentioned this before is a book called Warpaint by... Oh, yes. I just love Warpaint. And I think you managed to get a copy, didn't you, um, Jim, and read yeah. it? Yeah, and it's, it's such a um, a surprise. It's, it's a real surprise that you're reading this book and it's, you know, it's set in the wartime, it's set in those sort of austere times, and yet the twist, in it is absolutely contemporary and it, it's a really it's a a really good read and i love to be able to share those surprises you know really with people yeah. did you ever read um betty anything by betty rowlands no that's not betty, an author i'm familiar with at all betty was an author that we published um and i think she came we republished books so she wrote them like literally 25 years ago and there were cosy crime mysteries. Mm. And they, she had a character called uh, Melissa Craig and a character called Suki Reynolds. Um, and there were two different series there. And we republished them. Um, and sadly, Betty passed away. But she was, I think, I'm sure when we published her, she was in her late 80s. Um, and we republished this book and it gave us such a new lease of life. Our editor went down to see her. She lived in a nursing home. And these books went on to sell sort of over, I think nearly over 400,000 copies. Wow. Which was massive. And they're absolutely brilliant. Cozy Mysteries, two series there. And she's absolutely awesome. But they're kind of from, you know, books from years ago. Mm. Um, a real treat to read, they are. Oh, that's, yeah, that's a lovely recommendation. I'll go and see. Yeah, Betty Romans. We'll definitely keep an eye out. I'm pretty sure they're on Kindle Unlimited, to be honest. You might even find that the first one, I don't know, without me checking, but I know on some of them we do some where they're sort of the first book's free and then if people like them, obviously they can go on to read the rest. But um, it's definitely a really good recommendation. Sadly, Betty's no longer with us. Um but uh, she, you know, her her later years in life were about her being a published author again, um, and she was absolutely delighted that her books went on to, you know, to reach so many people. Well, I think that sounds lovely. We'll definitely check that out. Um, so now, before um, we go any further, and I do want to come back to some more adult books, but I want to ask you both a difficult question. I think a difficult question, because 
one of the things I get asked an awful lot as a tutor is, how do I get my children to read? <laughs> All right. And I always say, please, please, please don't force them because they'll resent it. But a golden opportunity, I think, is when you're sat in a departure lounge or something that, you know, you're in one of those really boring scenarios, a book is a good alternative for a child. Mm. So is there anything that's hit your eyes recently for children, maybe, that they might want to read this summer? I think if you're looking at really small children... Um, I, I always think that the way to get kids interested, really small children, you know, like sort of infants and junior school age, um, is actually through through poetry um, and particularly the rhyming stuff, because they love that. Um, what is it called? I, I'm going to get this wrong. That iambic pentameter. Is iambic it? pentameter. Yeah, they love that. They, they, you know, it really draws kids in. Um, and in fact, at some point in the future, we've all well, we've already um, interviewed a, a children's poet, haven't we, with with yeah. Daniel Thompson? But we're about to um, to um, bring another one um, on board in um, in uh, Pep Pep Anderson, um, who is also he's local to you, Kim, and um, and he writes kids poetry, and mm. I think that's a great way of getting kids involved because they love the sing songy nature of it. And of course, because they're fairly short, you don't have the um, you don't have the attention span stuff to worry about. Mm. And I'll I'll go for a recommendation for an older child because I have a fifteen year old who's not you know he loved um, Diary of a Wimpy Kid. Yeah, he loved reading those books. Um, but he likes to read. Um, I mean, he's really big into football. So if you give him a football book, and now they've got loads of these books that kind of talk about footballers careers um and so you can kind of talk you know they look at Ronaldo Messi Ollie's a big Man City fan and I think they've got quite a few of the Man City players that they do like um sort of they're not massive books but I think it's about finding something Marcus Rashford you know that book he brought out that's brilliant that's about not just about sort of football it's about life and you know how you can kind of contribute to life um, and I think things like that, Ollie had um, a book by Eddie Hurst, trying to think of his name, Eddie Hearn, who's a boxing, yeah. Prom- yeah, yeah. boxing promoter, and he really enjoyed reading that. We've brought, I've kind of got him the new Peter Crouch book, um, and I know he's looking at, he's, he's kind of looking at that, the Micah Richards one. So I think there's, you know, if you can find maybe something that they're interested in and give them something to read as well, rather than, even if they don't want to read novels, I think sometimes reading autobiographies is really good. And if it's somebody that's really kind of, you know, aspirational, I think that's even better still. Oh, yeah, I'd agree with that, Jim. Yep. Um, yeah. And for slightly younger readers, maybe, Marcus Rashford has just um, co-written uh, and published the um, Breakfast Club Adventures. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes, yeah. yeah. Um, does look like it's aimed at a slightly younger audience, but you're right, there are lots of football fans out there because it's written by Marcus Rashford. Mm-hmm. You can see them getting involved with it. Also, there's a new Percy Jackson book coming out this summer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know he's a big popular one with the readers, but there's um there's a book called Until the Road Ends that caught my eye. Uh, it's by an author called Phil Earl. And it's 
um, it's about animals. And as a child, I loved reading books about animals. And it's a bit of a, yeah, it's got that feeling of a classic um, American story of finding a way home sort of thing when you look at the cover of the book because it's got a cat, a dog and a pigeon on the front cover. And, you know, this unlikely team. So anyway, Until the Road Ends is the eagerly awaited new novel from the best-selling author When the Sky Falls. When Peggy saves a stray dog from near death, a beautiful friendship begins. Peggy and Bo are inseparable. The only thing that can ever come between them is war. Peggy is evacuated to the safety of the coast, but Bo is left behind in the city, where he becomes the most, extra um, most extraordinary and unlikely of war heroes. Night after night, as bombs rain down and communities destroyed, Bo searches the streets, saving countless families. But then disaster strikes, changing Peggy's life forever when her parents killed. Both she and Bo are left alone, hundreds of miles apart. But Bo has a plan to reunite them at long last. And I think that's that's the sort of thing that to year nine to twelve kind of you know upper junior school kind of age bracket. I think that could really appeal. Oh. So, um, are there any books that are coming out that you think aren't for your cup of tea? And there's one in particular that I'm striking my mind. It's not my cup of tea. But I know it's going to be very popular reading this summer. I think it's one that a lot of people might take a hold of. But for me, I'm thinking of the new Rich Dosman that's coming out. <laughs> well, there'll be a lot of those around the pools this year, yeah. won't there? There certainly will. There certainly will. The bullet that missed. I, um, you know, I, I don't know about you, Kim. Um, I read the first one and I just couldn't. I loved it. I really enjoyed it. But it was just lacking something to make me feel like I needed to read the next one. I've read half of the first one. That says it all. <laughs> I'm saying yeah. nothing else. Yeah, I, I, we, we thoroughly agreed. We, we really tried hard, um, but it, was, it, wasn't, uh, it wasn't an easy read, I think. And um, if you're experienced at reading that sort of genre, there were, there were holes in, in the plot, um, I think we agreed, didn't we? She said yeah. that. I think I think there were there were definitely I, I found it incredibly easy read and there were enjoyable characters. But in terms of being a mystery, at the end, there were no breadcrumbs you could have picked up anywhere through the novel to help you solve it. And it was I kind of felt cheated. But that aside, another book I'd love to talk about, and I think this falls into the category. When you were saying that celebrity is the new pool of authors, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, Bob Mortimer of Reeves and Mortimer fame mm. has just released his debut novel. Um, it's called The Satsuma Complex. It is. That's a very unusual title. I wonder, it, I'd love to have been in the meeting where they chose what that title was yeah. going to be. Um, one of the one of the reviews says a gloriously imaginative caper with added scrolls. Um, so it's about a thirty-year-old legal assistant for the first listers in London um, who thinks he's a pretty boring, average kind of guy. Um, and then one day, 
he makes a connection with a girl um, in a pub and she's reading a book called The Satsuma Complex. Um, and that's the only thing he can remember about her after he met with her. But then a friend of his has gone missing and he needs to try and track this girl down to try and solve the mystery. So it's a, it, apparently it's a, it's a quest through the estates and pie shops of South London to finally bring some love and excitement into his unremarkable life. Now, I have to say, Jim, I have a confession to make. I've read the Satsuma Complex. Have you? I have. Come on, man. You've snuck that one. I absolutely loved it. Um, But I think you have to like Bob Mortimer because Bob Mortimer's got a quite, uh, he's he's slightly off kilter with his sense of humour. Mm. Um, and and I think he's a bit marmite, so people either like him or they don't. Well, I mean, but I definitely think that when you're reading it, you just know because it, it, he's got his character stamped right the way through it. And I thought it was an absolutely great read. I loved it. I really did enjoy it. Interesting, because to be honest, from what you've just said, what you've read out, Jim, I don't think I would pick it up. But now I've heard what Wendy thinks of it. I'd probably look twice at it. Yeah, I mean, it definitely appeals to me because I'm a big fan of Reeves and Mort. Mm. Yeah, their work's fantastic. So, I'm a rub my knees. My son doesn't appreciate it at all, you know. <laughs> it's lost on the youth of today. Lost on the <laughs> um, I, In fairness, I didn't buy it. It was bought for me. So I'm not sure. Um, in all honesty, Kim, I'm not sure I would have bought it myself. Um, but because it was bought for me, and I really thoroughly enjoyed it. I think celebrity books are really interesting, to be honest, because I think people in the publishing world sometimes, people like me, probably wouldn't buy a celebrity book because they get so much recognition for publishing a book when I've got people, you know, I work for, for those who don't know, I work for Booker Jaw. Um, and we have people, you know, selling loads and loads of books, a lot more books than celebrities sell. And I found it really frustrating that because they're celebrities, they get loads of marketing to go with their book, which helps them. Um, you know, that they have no problem getting on Lorraine in the morning and getting on Loose Women and stuff like that. And I, it, it really frustrates me. Um, and I think sometimes I do put off reading a lot of celebrities' books for that reason. And it's quite pathetic of me, to be honest. Um, and I probably miss out on quite a lot of really good books because of that reason. But you know, the, uh, there's two You're sides to that argument. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say, Jim, there's two sides to that argument, though, because one of the things that I recognised was that um, when I bought, uh, I bought a couple of Dawn French books because mm. I like Dawn French. Yeah. Um, but actually, as an author, she's absolute. I think, personal opinion, yeah. um, I think she's dire. She doesn't really? do it for me at all. So I think sometimes they overegg the pudding. Mm. Um, they automatically get you're right they automatically get the, the the limelight when really in some cases not in all but in some cases they really don't deserve it mm. um, and so it can leave a bit of a bad taste in your mouth particularly if you've bought it really looking forward to it and then you don't enjoy it yeah the one book I did read actually was um, Sarah Cox have you read that Throne by Sarah Cox no I haven't no really really enjoyed that 
But I think sometimes with celebrities, you do tend to read them in the author's voice. Yes. Yeah. However, the more authors I know, I think I read them in their voices anyway. So I would pick up a Carol Matthews book now. And because I know Carol really well, I would read it in Carol's voice would be kind of narrating it to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think that's different. But the Sarah Cox one, I really, really enjoyed. Mm. Well, speaking of celebrity and book success, right, it's probably not meeting your merits. I, I think there's a book out that Wendy might quite enjoy this summer. It's called Diddly Squat Till the Cows Come Home. Oh, is this the um, the, it's the uh, Clarkson next, book? It's the next episode of Clarkson's Adventures on the Farm, Wendy. Yeah, I am definitely going to be attracted to that, Jim. Uh, I think, again, you know, I'm trying to bring a, a range of books to the show. Um, and I think Clarkson definitely appeals to certain people. And if you like Clarkson's take on life, I think mm. you're a fool not to read it. So let us briefly pause this uh, interlude to look at quickly what has Granny read. Because there's only, there's only three in the pile this week. Oh, Jim, she must have had a really poor week if she's yeah. only read three. Uh -huh. <coughs> she's been busy, basically. She's read The Angels of Ace by Philip Wynne Jones. Right. That we reviewed last week. She's read uh, Peter Swanson's Kind Worth Saving, um, which I think is the second in the series because Kind Worth Killing was the first one. And then she's read Slow Horses by Mick Heron. Oh, what did you think of Slow Horses, Jim? Well, I think you're going to... She's actually written me a special note that she insists I read out on the show. Oh, right. OK, then. Go on. What can I say? I enjoyed Slow Horses, but not as much as Keeping Secrets. Oh, wow! <laughs> oh, I love Granny forever and ever and ever. Thank you. She's, she's, she left, she put that note in the book and said, make sure you read the note on the radio. Yes, Granny, I will. <laughs> So yeah, she uh, yeah she thoroughly enjoyed Snow Horses, but said your your work was better. Well, that's um, I'm humbled. That is really lovely. It is nice when somebody has read your book, takes the time to sort of give you that feedback. So, um, and to be in such illustrious company, I'm very flattered. So thank you very much for that. Thank you, Granny. Now, when you're on holiday, as we've said, it's a time for relaxing and recuperating, and perhaps lying back on a beach lounger. So it's not always the best time to take a hardback, is it? Right. And I'm quite excited to recommend, my, my particular recommendation for this summer is there is a brand new out in paperback that was out a while ago in hardback and I've read part of it, not finished it. It's a Stephen King. I've never read a Stephen King book. I've just- Oh, Kim. Yeah, I know. Well, let me tell you about this one. This one's called Fairy Tale. It's a beautiful concept. So Stephen King goes into the deepest well of his imagination in this spellbinding novel about a 17-year-old boy who inherits the keys to a parallel world where good and evil are at war and the stakes could not be higher for their world or ours. Charlie Reed looks like a regular high school kid, great at baseball and football, a decent student, but he carries a heavy load. His mom was killed in a hit-and-run accident when he was 10, and grief drove his dad to drink. 
Charlie learned how to take care of himself and his dad. Then, when Charlie is 17, he meets a dog named Radar and her aging master, Howard Bowditch, a recluse in a big house at the top of a big hill with a locked shed in the backyard. Sometimes, strange sounds emerge from it. Charlie stops doing jobs for Mr. Bowditch and loses his heart to Radar. Then, when Bowditch dies, he leaves Charlie a cassette tape telling a story no one would believe. What Bowditch knows and what has kept his secret all his life long is that inside the shed is a portal to another world. King's storytelling in fairy tales soars. This is a magnificent and terrifying tale about another world than ours, in which good is pitted against overwhelming evil and a heroic boy and his dog must lead the battle. Now, you see, I on that um, description, I would have read that until you said at the end the word terrifying. And at that point, I just switched off. Uh, do you know, I think, and this is the thing where a lot of people switch off to Stephen King, is they know Stephen King through his films. Yeah. And the films are often the bloodier, nastier, scarier books. Oh. And I would say it, it depends what you define as terrifying. Because if you think of a horror movie, that's not Stephen King's best work. Oh. Stephen King's best work is where the terrifying nature is so normal to an extent that it's, that's what makes it a bit scarier. But don't you think that's what makes it even more terrifying? I mean, are there are two books for Stephen King that stand out for me. One is Misery, which oh. was the most terrifying book I've ever read. Ah, and the, and the, the villain in it is a middle-aged, overweight woman. <laughs> I mean, it's, but, but it plays with your head because the thing that he does, um, is he writes psychological peril better than anybody else I know. And I remember reading, um, I'd had an accident, I'd, I'd come off my motorbike, I was 18, I'd come off my motorbike and um, and I was flat on my back for uh, a couple of months. And, um, and I was reading, somebody bought me The Shining to read. And um, and I uh, genuinely I read it in one sitting. Now, if you've seen The Shining, it's it's a doorstop. But I tell you what, I could not put it down. But I went through every single emotion while I was reading it. So I sort of get what Kim's saying because um, if if you are faint-hearted, you have to be prepared because he he can shock the pants off you. And I am um, a boss as well, Wendy. You have to bear. Are enough. you really? Yeah, really, really am. I'm, I'm the person who watched Luther on the telly on fast forward all the way through because the first episode scared me that much. I watched the second, third and fourth episode of the last series on fast forward and then went back and watched it because I knew what was going to happen because I was too scared to watch it. Mm. I, but I get that. I get that. I think you you do have to be made of stern stuff to read the Stephen King. It, I think I think you are probably 
a little less. Um, I think you might have. You've got a thicker skin, Jim, and so I think you can really um, enjoy them. But I can understand why people sometimes struggle with Stephen King because he can it can be terrifying in the way he writes. If somebody could recommend me the least scary Stephen King book, then maybe I should read one. Well, I need to get my head thinking how to come up with that. And yeah, then you can challenge me, and I'll come back and tell you all about it. But I, I tell you, I do. I, I I recommend him so much. Um, because he is a master storyteller. Oh yeah, yeah. You can't ignore that. He he absolutely is. But but That's you're why right. I think it would be great to read, to be honest. But yeah, honestly, when when you were reading that description out, I kind of thought, you know, what? I think I could read this. But then when you said that word terrifying, I was like, oh, my God, no, I can't. <laughs> Honestly, I've never watched a horror film in my life. I did watch Carrie. Saying that Carrie, I think I watched years ago and I turned it off because it was too scary. Carrie's <laughs> quite a bloody one. The, 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 I, I, let me finish this one and I'll come back to you. Please do. Well, let me lighten the yeah, let me lighten the mood then, because one of the other recommendations I'm going to give is from an author that we've reviewed before, called um, Jonas Johansson. Oh, I love him. And um, so he's the man. He's the man that wrote um, the Hundred Year Man who climbed out of the window and ran away, and Sweet Sweet Revenge, which was the book we reviewed, which it's is wonderful. absolutely laugh out loud. It's a great book, and his latest one is out, um, The Prophet and the Idiot. And uh, I'll just read you the uh, short cover note. It says, Sweden, late summer of 2011. Self-taught astrophysicist Petra has calculated that the atmosphere will collapse on the 21st of September that year, around 20 past nine in the evening, to be more precise. Uh, bringing about the end of times. Armed with this terrible knowledge, Petra meets Johan, a doomsday prophet, and Agnes, a widow of 75, who has made bank living a double life on social media as a young influencer. Together, the trio race through Europe as they plan to make the most out of the time they have left in more ways than one. But of course, things rarely go to plan, even the end of the world. So if you like a good laugh out loud book, you really can't do better than um, Johansson because he's he's just got such a left field way of coming at things, and he's a really really good writer. So um, if you want to laugh this summer, um, try the Prophet and the Idiot. That's not my to do pile. I like my list. I'm making a list here of loads of different books while I'm talking to you guys. Um, I need Jonas, have you read any Jonas? No, I haven't. Oh, he's amazing. He's absolutely brilliant. Start so with Sweet people. Sweet Revenge, Kim, because it's really the land. Yeah. I've written, and um, I've been away this weekend with um, two author friends of mine, Emma Robinson and Sue Watson. I don't know if you know either of those two. Both amazing people, hilariously funny people. Had the best weekend ever. And Emma is um, an English teacher. And one of the books that she's recommended to me this weekend, I don't know if either of you have read it, is called The Last Days of Rabbit Hayes by Anna McPartlin. No. And she said it's absolutely brilliant. It's an Irish set book, 
um, and I've I've downloaded it for my Kindle this weekend because she that was the one book that she recommended and said it's absolutely amazing. Okay. Now I need like a holiday in Barbados for about a month where nobody bothers me. <laughs> yeah, on my own, and um, yeah, that would be fantastic. Superb. Right. Um, time is running away from us. We are going to end soon. Um, but I would like to take a quick visit to Poetry Corner, if I may. Go for it then, Jim. I, I bought one as well, but I'm not sure I'm gonna, we're going to have time to do both of them. So I'm, I'm currently doing a lot of research into birds and history. And I've come across a poem written about some of the lost pubs of Burton on Trent. Oh, OK. Now, this was written uh, by Mr Thorne in the 1830s. And it was written about these pubs when they existed. So here we go. Your servant, kind, gentle folks, whom to address. It's a pleasure I cannot find words to express. For to Burton I am come, and of all other places, you are sure to meet there honest hearts and kind faces. Of the famed Burton ale I have often heard folks prop other, which in goodness and flavour surpasses all other. So grant me your patience, I'll not keep you long, but an opinion I'll give of each house in a song. At the famous Bear Inn, as you come into town, if you'll take a good glass, you may sit yourself down. There's a house, too, hard by, where you'll fare quite as well if you only just ring at the sign of the bell. And when at the bell you have made yourself mellow, at the roebuck you'll meet with a good jovial fellow. But you must not stay long, or I'll wager a crown, that his ale or his hammer will soon put you down. Distilled from the juice of the grape is, the, is good wine, and good malt liquor distilled at the vine. And if sailor like you love grog and good flip, you'll find a snug cabin enough at the ship. Having called at the Talbot, it surely won't fail. The swan, too, you'll find, swims in very good ale. And when at the next house you've drinking begun, you'll scarce tell which shines brightest, your face or the sun. A hungry man need not be thought such a glutton, should he stop when he meets with a shoulder of mutton. Where the meat you'll find soon find is not like the ale good, for the ale's made from malt and the mutton from wood. At the Saracen's head you'll meet with good ale, may never the liquor or customers fail. But if humour for keeping good company means, you'll get drunk as a lord with the famous three queens. To mix mirth with good ale, if you fancy inclined, there's a house just by, but I'll not name the sign. But I'll wager if once you to tippling give loose, though as sly as a fox, you'll walk out like a goose. To the old coach and horses, if once you but drive, the landlord and liquor will keep you alive. But if o'er your liquor should drowsiness creep, at the sign of the lamb, you'll kill time like a sheep. Having called at the boot, you can scarcely fare worse, but just taste a glass at the famous white horse. You'll find it surpasses all mortal belief. There's often good barley found in a sheep we cheat. The fair of the white hearts unequalled you'll own, but do not neglect first to call at the crown, where the land will make you both happy and easy, for his house and his heart are both open to please ye. At the old angel inn and the famous white lion, the very best ale you may surely rely on. There's a house, too, hard by, where you may drink of a flagon, 
Till as bold as St. George, you may fight with a dragon. From the dog you may sail to the old anchor inn, and having cast anchor, may drinking begin. Should home for the best sometimes lose its charms, you'll meet mirth in high glee at the carpenter's arms. On Prussia's famed king you may call if you please, the nag's head from thence you will soon cross with ease. Having drunk at the lion, you'll hardly be dry, but you must not attempt from the eagle to fly. To drink at the punch bowl, you'll feel sure inclined. There's a house near the church I forgot. You'll soon find, having tasted the ale, you'll acknowledge air soon. On such ale, you could live like the man in the moon. Having turned yourself round, you'll see a large oak, which made England to smile and other nations to smoke. The leaves of the tree you may see are some use, and the butt of the tree contains barley juice. Where pain and misfortune in wretchedness pine, where prison converted and in you will find. Where once his had fortune, man, each man did bewail, he now laughs, sings and smoked o'er his pitcher of ale. But hold, don't forget, pray to call at the star, the famed ale of which must have reached you afar. Then banish life's crosses, cross over the way, and pass through the blue posts each night to the play. I mean, what that says to you is, my goodness me, how many pubs has Burton got? Yeah, I think it was about 36 in that poem. How fantastic. That was so clever. Yeah. And, and just to find a really old Burton poem that tells you all about these pubs that some, some we've lost, some are still there. Mm. Uh, the Fox and Goose is now the Burton Bridge. Um, the Royal Oak's still there. The Anchor, the Dog. But a lot of them gone. And of course, the Blue Post being that famous hostelry that uh, was visited by L.S. Lowry when he painted his yeah. famous crossing at Burton. Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. Well, I'm very sorry. I think I've used up all the poetry corner there, Wendy. So That's fine. It's not a problem. I'll save mine until next week. Now, next week, we will be here reading a book of quite different character. It's a work of autobiographical sense. Um, it's called Once Upon a Tome, and it's by a story of the life of a antiquarian bookseller. So and uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's quite different. Have you started it, Wendy? I haven't. It's literally on my pile to start tonight. I, I've, uh, I'm, I'm a good way in. I'm thoroughly enjoying it, but it's, it's, it's different. Mm. Right, and until and Kim, firstly, before we finish, I must say massive thanks for joining us. Yeah, really huge thank you, Jim. It's a huge thank you, Kim, because it's been great to have another voice, but you always bring a different perspective too, so thanks ever so much for joining us. To be honest, you've really inspired me tonight to read some different things as well, and I'm not, um, I don't really do poetry, but listening to that has made me kind of think, do you know what? I would like to read more poetry as well. Um, I listened to a poet called Holly McNish. Yes. Know her. She, um, working at her shed, where every so often we have um, sort of like a big showcase, and Holly did um, a poem um, on the stage to us, and I've kind of heard her and thought, oh, my God, she's incredible. And I've just thought to myself, I must re read more of her, and I must read more poetry. And sadly, time doesn't always allow it, but I feel like I need to have more poetry in my life, so thank you. Oh, my pleasure. And until next week's, ladies and gentlemen, and all of us in between, until then, good reading. <laughs> <laughs>
Good day, everybody. Take care, everyone. This show is part of Microbrew Radio, Burton on Trent's community radio station. You can hear this and plenty of other shows over on microbrewradio.com. Find our app on the iOS or Android stores, or just say Alexa, play Microbrew Radio. And if you like what you hear, please let us know on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Thanks. <laughs>